episode 118 of Board Games with Varian Hex is all about what we got at Gen Con 2023. I'm Kelly, and in this episode, Adam and I talk about the latecomers to the BGG Gen Con 2023 list, some quiz questions, what I bought each day, and other random chit chat as we catch up after Gen Con. Without further ado, I'll turn it over to myself and Adam talking about my 2023 Gen Con haul. Oh, you know what? I'm going to open something too. Great call. Here's the thing. I'm cracking open the Sun King Hive Mind. Oh, it's an English awesome. style mild ale with honey. It's a very cool cover on it. What do they call it? Yeah. What the label, I guess? I don't know how much you'll be able to hear it. I can hear it. I'm pouring it into the Gin Con hot box pizza cup. It's this oh, this is well not done. anything that a beer aficionado would suggest. <laughs> pouring your beer directly into a large plastic cup. No. But, but a fun aficionado would. <laughs> yes, so. and that's what we are. Fun yep. aficionados here talking about the games from Gin Con. Before we went to Gin Con, went through the entire BGG Gen Con list. And I say entire because it was complete up into us doing it, but they keep adding more things. They're always adding more things. Now we're post Gen Con. And before we really dive into the games that actually were must have, we were going through the list saying which ones are must have, but then you actually get there. Things change. Sometimes things are sold out. Sometimes the deal isn't as good as you want it to be, whatever, whatever the case is. So we're going to talk about what was actually must have in that. What do we actually have now? But first, we're going to quickly not shame, but mention that there are 21 games that even as late as we were reviewing this list, 21 things were added. So if you were following all of our other episodes trying to get through this list, there's a few more that we're going to touch on super quick. I don't think we're even going to do all the play count and everything. We'll just say the name of it and the little tagline and keep moving. So yeah. From Calliope Games, they had four corners in both a Galaxy and a Kaleidoscope edition. As far as I could tell, saw these in person. I think they are, in fact, the same thing. It's just what theme you like. And that seems like a strange publishing choice, like you're making two of the same games. But hey, maybe you want both. Maybe you want Galaxy and Kaleidoscope. It's a living puzzle where you twist and match tiles to score. Uh, You also then have... uh... Or maybe you would have had, had they told you ahead of time, Yeah. from Captain Games, 13 words. Uh, I've got 13 words for you. Next time, remember to put your game on the list even sooner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, can you read the captain's mind and choose the correct word? Seems like a real fun communication limit kind of cooperative game. If only we could have known to prepare. For ah. Cryptozoic... And we'll do publisher by publisher. So I'll do all Cryptozoic. They had DC Comics deck building game Rivals the Flash versus the Reverse Flash. And that is the Flash and the Reverse Flash try to outrace each other in a deck building battle. I mean, that sounds cute. That sounds cute. They have DC deck building game Injustice, a standalone set that pits players up directly against one another. And then Rotten Tomatoes, the card game. How well can you rank movies against one another? Oh, you know, that's fun. That's fun. Yeah. Uh, Deverse Publishing. Decided to just slide this in at the last minute. Nexus Arena Combat System. It's uh, one hundred twenty dollars. They could have collected from people. Yeah, and and that's in a strategic beer and peanuts dice chucker. What is with that? A brutal and violent theme. I don't know. They really said it like you know how we all are just out there with our beer and peanuts dice, dice chucker. chuckers. Yeah, it took all that time, and that's what they landed on. 
Go figures. Funny Fox had Nautilus Island. You are shipwrecked, escaping a mysterious and deserted volcanic island. The cover is very pretty. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gameland Games has The Last Kingdom, a battle of Saxon or Dane for the dominance of Britain. That must be like a show or something, yeah? It looks like a show. It looks like a show, and it's John D. Clare as the designer, which I don't want to say surprising. He can do what he wants, but I wasn't expecting yeah. it. Hmm. Haba has Captain Pepe, Treasure Ahoy, not the Pepe you're thinking of. Set sail on this cooperative, story-driven legacy kids game for the whole family. Legacy kids game? All right. Okay. All right. Uh, Hobby Japan has Builder's High. It's a city building construction game for $13. They have Master of Rules, which is outmaneuver your friends among the chaos of competing rules. Also $13. Our Echo, a set of garbage disposal games. A set of, so multiple garbage disposal games when one garbage disposal game isn't enough. enough for you. Yeah. From Ice Makes, Age of Galaxy, explore, expand, and build your galactic empire with a combination of three factions. That sounds... It would sound 4X, but there's only two X's there. And Morpho, or perhaps M-O-R-P-H-O, because there's a period after each one of those letters. One player, two hidden identities. Master the art of timing to reach your goal. Lookout Games has Forest Shuffle. No surprise, they put a fox on there. Yeah. Because can't have a forest without a fox anymore. Nope. Uh, build your very own forest in this clever card game for strategists. 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 <laughs> Stick with the first one. Yeah. Oink Games has nine tiles extreme. Players race to complete a pattern using a three by three grid of tiles matching color or design. Rock Manor brought seas of havoc. Pirates and privateers fight each other on the high seas for the most renown. I think that they oh, had the deluxe edition. Yeah. We, we talked with the regular edition. We sure did. We sure did. Okay. And Steamforged Games has Gears of War, the card game, Coalition versus Locust. Gears of War goes analog, Battlefield card game. I feel like it's happening more and more. And right behind it, Sea of Thieves, another video game getting a board game, Voyage of Legends, live a rich and fulfilling life as a pirate while trying to boost your reputation. Uh, Stronghold Games brought us Riverside. Uh, That's the second edition. We've talked about Riverside before, I believe, on this podcast. You're going to be the best tour guide on a river cruise in exotic winterland. Nice. I already have that one. So those were the few the very few games left over from the list that did get added to the preview after we were even done but now actually gonna take a quick pause to say the beer's nice i didn't actually get the gin con beer at gin con because you know you're busy it's hot outside you don't want to stand in the line for the food trucks and at the block party it's a nice beer i went since we're local i just went down there today totally ignoring the fact that i'm wearing a sun king hoodie going into sun king to get some sun king which felt nice. a little I came out and remarked how nice the guy was. I was like, maybe because you're wearing all their stuff like an employee. Uh, but I'm sure he's nice anyways. He said that this year, this hive mind is a lighter beer. I'm not sure what the ABV is on it. But last year, it was a triple. And he said, because he worked at Gen Con this year, and I, maybe he also worked at it last year. And he said that people got very drunk last year because they just weren't even considering the fact that it was a triple. So I imagine that's maybe a strategy. I know if you're just a, if you're Sun King, you're making beer, maybe it's not what you're, you don't necessarily care, but for crowd control and general calmness, probably a bit rough to have a triple as the didn't, I, that didn't even occur to me last year. I didn't notice it, but I'm also not hanging around maybe in the, Let's get another triple kind of 
group. It says uh, untapped says it's a five percent. Five percent, very average, average beer amount. With that out of the way, before we dive into what was our actual must have, we're going to do a few questions to kind of get going. I'm going to pose them to Adam, who was not at Gen Con. He doesn't yet know what mm-hmm. I actually came back with. So the first question is, in the first six days of August, which was higher? The number of plays I logged in BG Stats app or the number of games and expansions I bought at Gen Con? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, so stuff. that's back to the first. So that's Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. So from a Tuesday through Sunday, six days after a Tuesday. I'm okay. not including. Yeah. And this includes the games you played at Gen Con. Yes. And the games you bought at Gen Con. You bought more games than you played. So your phrasing is slightly different than my phrasing. And I'd have to actually double check your phrasing. I logged more plays but I don't think I played as many different games as I bought. Perfect. Yes. Yeah, I really did reframe that. Now that you've repeated it back, I understand the question <laughs> you asked the first time. This yeah. is a fun way so of asking questions. 37 plays logged. I don't know mm-hmm. how many different games there were. I would guess it was probably more in the 20s than the 30s. I know that we had games that we replayed. And there were 33 games that I bought. That's another distinction because there were some games that were effectively free at Gen Con. I don't think, I think if you add the five games that were free, then it gets just above the plays. And you could kind of cast some doubt on things like AG Big Game Night, where you buy a ticket, you play four games, and then you do leave with games. What's the price of the event? What's the price of the games? Kind of hard to say. I put them in as zero. Yes. Now, Point of note, and I think from a just general friendly, uh, you telling me about Gen Con, yeah, you bought the same game, correct? That was from AEG Big Game Night, and yeah. I, ooh, I, one, I didn't say those were purchased because oh, okay. I don't know where to put that in as a gift from an event and how much you just straight up bought them. Gotcha. Also, the second version of all of them gone. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. Well, then never. Then I retract my my question on that. So okay. So so we have our answer to that one. We have Perfect. our answer, and it's steeped in the fact that there were caveats everywhere, and it's very difficult to really get a true handle on anything, which is about how it feels coming back from Gen Con. Now, which mm-hmm. purchase total was higher, day one or day two through four? Is it fair to say day one was your biggest purchase day then? Yes. That yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and you did you get your must-haves on day one? No. Oh. Not, not, not no. There were, okay. I know there were three, maybe four things defined as must-have that were across, oh gosh, every different, every different day. Oh, okay. Interesting. So I'm still going to say that you, though, spent more on day one than you did the other three days of Gen Con. That is correct. That is correct. Now, which purchase total was higher? All games or all food, parking and other merch for you or for you and Aaron? It is me and Aaron. Hmm. I can't be bothered (sighs) to make a distinction in our purchases. So it's collectively both of us. Because, I mean, one one game is more than a meal on average, I bet. So, mm. and parking is going to be higher, but not, I think it's got to be all games for sure. It was everything else. Wow. It was everything else. To me. Did of- you buy like a, a Kia or something while you were also downtown during no. those four days or something? Oh, okay. No, I did not. So. 
there was a Dritz statue that was mm. over a thousand dollars. We'll have I took a picture of it. It was over, and it's not like oh, life size. I was waiting for you to like pan the camera. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Be, when we walked away, I'm like, that's like like two of those is a Yaris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, all of these were very close. Like in in making these questions, there there was not much room as a kind of balancing. Which publisher did we get the most from? Quantity only, not dollars. Correct. I'm thinking. They maybe have both, but there's there's a possibility that for dollars, there may be, I'd have to check the receipts. Um, It was the both. It was the most both. Both. Oh, because I was going to guess that Oink Games was going to have the highest quantity, but I don't think they would have the highest dollar amount because they're pretty inexpensive games. What was AEG bringing? I'm going to say Oink Games still. It was not Oink Games. This is a... Uh, we won't say spoiler as we keep going. Only got one oint game. Wow. Only wonk. got only you got, got one game. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was Cosmos, which that's on day oh, one. We'll be talking about yeah. it. We'll be okay. talking about it in no time. How many two player only games? How many games with solo modes? How many games that support five or more players? And you know that overall it was 38 games if you include the free ones and these these counts do include the free ones or otherwise gifted what have you you got eight two-player only games four it's then eight, there's two players it's a time zone difference it's a time right. zone difference for each yeah, player it's, it's, yeah, okay it's four right. for each player in Thank the game you. yeah exactly uh how many games that have a solo mode in addition to all the modes yeah correct? it just has a solo mode or it can be played eight. i guess it could be only one person but you said eight eight 17. Yeah. Okay, I'm really... Okay, now that I hit both sides of the pendulum, yep. I'm real, feeling real good about this. Uh-huh. So now games <sighs> that support five or more players. You know I'm going to say eight. Well, nothing about the numbers so far suggests that you should. No, but I'm going to. <laughs> okay, also 17. Oh, boy. Really? That's surprising. Yeah. I know. And then this is a bonus, a uh, couple bonus questions. Got- the first one, I don't think I sent this one to you before. The first one is... If you were to play an alphabet challenge with the games that I brought back from Gen Con, how many letters would be missing? Would be missing. Yes. So you have 38 games. I have 38 games. Okay. I'm going to talk out loud for a little bit here if I can workshop <laughs> this. So I bet I'll just enjoy missing... my Sun King hive mind. Gen Con exclusive. Uh, you know, it, it, Wheel of Fortune style, like you're going to have an R-S-T-L-N-E, right? Those classic ones. You're not going to probably have a Q, a Z. A, a V, maybe. There's a lot of like uh, maybe a Vary or a Vivari. Oh, maybe you have that Vivarium game. So no Q, no Z, no Y, no W, no U. I'm going to say you're missing five letters. I am missing seven letters, but you are oh. correct. There was no Q, no Z, no Y. I think at some point you said X. Uh, there was no U. There was also no O, which was, I'm at this point, a little surprising. Oh, right. you know what? It's six. I just saw one I missed. It's six. It's okay. six. There was okay. an H. That's good. That was pretty yeah. good. Okay. That was pretty good. And then last year, we uh, stayed at a hotel downtown. I was able to get a discount through work. And the discount was just staying for the regular rates instead of paying the inflated Gen Con rates. That was the discount. Was it more expensive to stay with the regular rates downtown last year, or was 
are this year's Gen Con Hall more expensive? I'm comparing hotel rates versus... Hotel rates. Staying, oh, staying downtown during Gen Con. We were not yep. next to the convention center, if, if you want to weigh that in there. Or our entire Gen Con Hall this year. Which was more. I would say Which that was the... More. Now, when you say hall, we're not counting food and parking and merch. We're only we games, correct? We are not. No, because all of those costs also would have been, like, occurred last year. It's that's kind of comparison. The hotels would be more expensive. The hotel was more expensive. <sighs> nice. Okay. That makes me feel like all I did was just spend my hotel money on games. It, pretty good when you say it like that. It feels good. It's like a complete workaround lie to make you, like, help you justify that which yep. has already left your pocket. In any case, that's kind of our little review question round. Now we're going to dive into what was bought on each day. Adam, I've sent you a picture, and I'll leave yes. it to you to kind of direct what catches your eye, what we want to talk about. I imagine we'll be able to get through all of them pretty easy, but this was the biggest day. Looking at the stacks, this was about half this might be more than half because there's a, some smaller games of everything we got was day one mostly in one big one hour push right so uh immediately so the largest game in the stack is the lord of the rings game so it would be hard to not yeah immediately be drawn to the largest and the lettering is such that i can read it which is not true of all of the games <laughs> without me twisting my head into some sort of a 90 degree uh, motion on that. Um, there are also two games at the bottom, a repeat game on there. So, oh no, I guess it's not a repeat. It's two. It's two. Two advent calendars. Advent calendars. Two different advent calendars from Exit. Oh, okay, gotcha. So that's also sticking out because of the repetition. Now, by just imagery alone, this uh, Luna Crystal game has got some uh, cool art on the side of it. Yeah, so that is actually Luna Capital. It's not easy to tell uh, the way the font is. That game was, I think last year, like $40 or some regular amount. I walked into, that's by DeVere, walked into their booth. They had a sign on it for $10. And I was like, well, I almost bought it last year like a fool for way more <laughs> money. So I asked the guy, I asked him something, I can't remember what. And there was a line there. And uh, so I, you know, said something to him about Luna Capital. He was like, because I said, like, is that the line or something? And he's like, do you have cash? And I was like, yes. And so I gave him a 20, but it's only $10. And he was like, do you want, like, I'm like, all I have is a 20. And he couldn't make change. He's like, what if I just throw in some other game? And I'm like, yeah, do that. And I think these small games were maybe like $12, really. So I got Winter by DeVere. Haven't tried it out yet. It's a two-player only game. And it says four seasons, so I don't know if there is a spring, summer, fall like line of those. So we just threw that in. I gave him the $20, skipped the line, walked away. Nice. That also yes, enabled like that fast moving through there. So yeah, that's what I did at DeVere. The other ones that you had mentioned so far, those are from the Exit games and the Lord of the Rings games were from Cosmos. They were doing a thing where it was 10% off everything in their booth, so regular prices, but then 10% off. I got two different Exit calendars. I'm going to send you one of them. And at first I was going to get two of the same, but then I kind of didn't, I, you know, you're they're bigger like it's a bigger right. purchase to get than two of them so i went with getting the variety of two different ones and there's going to be another one coming out this year i can't remember if they had the upcoming one for this year in the booth or listed or if they had the one i think they had the one from 2020 listed 
I only saw two when I got into the booth, but they do not look very different. So maybe, maybe there were all three and I just couldn't tell. Right. Because when I saw it, I did not know it was different until I noticed a very, like one is a yeah. burgundy label and one has a, uh, uh, some sort of a periwinkle label. Yeah. In some, something about the style of the art does kind of let you glaze over and just think like, oh, there's another one and another one. And it's like, oh wait, no, mm-hmm. they're different. And I think that was a common thing over that I was hearing other people point out. There was a guy next to me who was like on the phone or texting or something with a friend. And he was like, they say they want these calendars and they're here. There's a lot of that going on where people are on one side or another of the hall, which is pretty big. And then kind of doing connections to try to get things. There's actually one expansion that was tallied, not pictured. That is a, the expansion for Iki Akabono where Mm. we ran into a friend who was already in line at the booth. It was the Scorpion Mask booth that's also, I think, with Hachette. They were already in line, and it was a long line, and we were like, oh, hey, what are you waiting for, whatever. And they were kind of, I think they were trying to get Sky Team and maybe something else, I'm not sure. So we were like, listen, if you can get two copies of Sky Team, that'd be neat. If you also buy Iki because you're already in line, that'd be cool. And if you can't get it, like, don't worry about it. Like, it'll just be whatever. And right around that time, they came and ended the line behind him and was like, you may or may not get Sky Team. We don't have very many of them left. And so we were like, mm. you know, whatever happens, happens. It's fine. So he got to the front. They, they wouldn't let him buy more than one copy, but there were some left. And then he did go ahead and buy the expansion for Iki. So that's oh, the kind nice. of thing where if you have a group, you can kind of divide and conquer. They do not always let you buy more than one copy. But other times, publishers are like, what do I care? I'd like to sell this game, please. So right. it just kind of depends. Also got high score from Cosmos and my city roll and build. I didn't I didn't quickly see my island. And this was during my one hour just go through absolutely everything. So I kind of anything like that, I figure there was nothing I was really looking for in that booth that won't show up again. I didn't know of anything that wasn't going to show up in America or on some website later. I got Dimension, the brain game to go. For free. It says 200 puzzles, easy to difficult. Don't know what that is at all. But sometimes you're just buying something like, and we're giving you this. And it's like, okay, sure, great. Right. Put yeah. it in the bag. Love to see it. Above Dimension is uh, what looks to me as just a, an, uh, you know, a secondary person here, just a bunch of squiggles. Um, yes. And I can't tell what that is. That's the Oink game, Make the Difference. They threw in an expansion with that as well. I'm not really sure mm-hmm. if it always comes with it or not. Sometimes they tell you like, oh, you're getting this, but... Maybe that's a normal thing to get. And I don't even re I know it's a, another drawing game from Oink. And that is the only other game my mom has played. So I'm interested to open that one up, see what it's like, see if I can casually convince her to play it. She doesn't mind being around games. She'll sit and watch them, does not ever play them. So mm-hmm. maybe, maybe we'll get her to, to go for that one. Yeah. And then, um, Going below, I- I'm messing up the order because you were kind of going in a certain order oh, and fine. I'm jumping around a lot here. Um, I see we have uh, Junk Orb, but I feel like appropriately placed at the very bottom of the stack because now it's a rectangle and yes. you can put other games on top of it. Like it can finally, finally be a foundation. Yeah. Finally, it can be on the bottom. It says it also has a solo mode in it. I believe there's even uh, the the original cylinder container. You open it like there's nothing there's nothing in there to help it stay, you know, together. It was just all little baggies. I think there's an insert in this. I do store most of my games flat. 
so i i like having the inserts in them it's like a molded insert not just like a basic kind of square box inside of a square box insert so yeah that one's from renegade also from renegade i got good omens i'm really excited to open that one up to see if it is just like yes we put an ip logo on the box thank you for your money it might be that it might not be any good and ex libris i asked them in the booth like how is it different than the other one one big thing is that the cards are just going to be more legible because in the first edition, they printed text over an image in a way that was not easy to read. They kind of put like a shadow around it, but still how vibrant the colors are made it very hard to read. So now there's actually like a panel there that's a solid color that has the words, you know, listed out on there. So you're covering nice. up some of the artwork that was there. I don't know how much they've just changed and adjusted the artwork overall. Like the covers don't look exactly the same. Also, the box is thinner. I would say the new revised edition of Ex Libris, along with the expansion, which they also had there called Expanded Archives, I'd say the two of them together is probably just a touch taller than the original Ex Libris box. Okay, interesting. Um, And then is that, oh, Mission Control, you've got up top there. Uh, that's a pretty big box, it looks like there. So I haven't done anything on socials that I thought that I would. And then I got there and was like, nope, just going to have fun at the con. Continue ignoring that. Yep. So I think I will be putting this stuff out there. And this will be one of them. I'm going to run and get the bag. So this mission control, I had walked back in at some point. I can't remember where Aaron was. I don't know if he, I don't know. But for some reason, I was walking through the hall by myself and just kind of going through one edge, coming in the side door because there's sort of main doors along uh, one edge of the hall. And then you, it turns uh, as the corner turns, there's other main doors, but just one section of them. There's like three sections of them. And then as it turns, there's one section of it that kind of points into the play testing where all the tables are sort of connected to that big room, but also off to the side where you would walk towards Lucas oil stadium There's smaller, more individual doors, and you can still go in and out of those as well. So for some Mm -hmm. reason, I'm walking through the hall by myself. I poke in one of those doors, and I'm kind of walk through, snake through, and then go out the door in the front. The first thing that I bought when doing that was actually uh, another day one purchase of Hobby Japan. Those were some of the games that we listed earlier in this episode, The Builder's High and The R Eco. It's a small Japanese publisher, $13 games, and they only took cash. Sometimes the international publishers, in addition to having cash to be able to skip lines, maybe, kind of, you can just hand somebody the cash for a game and then walk away with it. Uh, Some of the international publishers use cash because the credit card transaction and like something about converting the currency digitally like that can be a bit of overhead, can be more difficult than just taking the cash And then I think maybe as one bulk thing doing the conversion back into their currency. I don't, I'm not an international business person, so I don't really know about that. But some of those booths do only take cash and a lot of them now only take cards. So it is good to have both if that's what you're intending to do. If you're intending to go to Gen Con and be able to buy whatever it is you've been looking at, it's good to have a little bit of flexibility both way. There's an ATM, but you know, ATMs, fees, what have you. So Builders High and R Eco, and then they both, because they are Japanese published games, they both came with like a supplement that had English stuff, extra cards. So I got that first, and then I'm still walking up, uh, headed my way out the other doors, 
and I see just this lovely artwork for Mission Control, which I'm going to show Adam. If you're listening along at home, just Google Mission Control board game. Board Game Geek will come up. And it honestly, it looks a little like the front of Sky Team. I think you can see it. Oh, there we go. Perfect. Oh, yeah, that is very nice. Yeah. It's a very good art. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the art, it kind of reminded me of Sky Team a little bit. Uh, there's mm -hmm. people that are, I think, meant to be NASA, but it says Saga. And they are look stressed, to say the least, about what's oh, happening. Yes. When you can actually kind of... The control is not going smoothly. Yeah. So I walk into the booth and they have like big, um, not even posters. It's like whatever they, whenever they print it on cloth, so they can kind of like wrap it around. It's like that stretchy kind of cloth, you know? Oh, yeah. So it's one of those. So I'm just kind of like looking at the art and the game and reading little things. And the guy comes out in a spacesuit that says, again, Saga instead of NASA on the front and asks like, oh, yeah, you looking at the game? You want to hear about it? And I'm like, yeah. Why not? Sure. So I go, they kind of have this half circle or more than a half circle, like 80%, 70% of a circle set up. And then you kind of walk inside there and they have a round table with like three different boards, big boards around it. And then one kind of gap where the control person is. So he kind of takes me around this table talking about how the game works, which is there's a mission control mm -hmm. where one person is, you know, being the mission control, they have their own board. And then otherwise it's a roll and write real-time game but every other person playing and i don't know how this works if you only have two players it's two to four players every other person playing has their own different roll and write game that they are playing mm -hmm. and you're trying to all be doing those things together in order to successfully control this mission so one person is doing a thing where with the dice they have to add up to certain values in certain columns another person is doing a like sudoku light kind of putting numbers together game with the rolls, and then the last person is doing polyomino Tetris pieces, trying to fit them together. And I think like each person is maybe feeding another person something for their puzzle. Mm, it, that's fun. It had, I think, not just because of the mission sort of theme, it had a Captain Sonar sort of vibes to it because it's happening yeah. in real times. So people have different orders. I think that the person in control is kind of maybe directing what's needed where. So that was the game, and he told me all about it, and I thought, that sounds interesting and fun, sounds unique. It was from 3WS Games, not a publisher that I otherwise know, but the game looks great. I saw, you know, a little bit of the components, that seemed all fine. He also said that people, they had printed out oversized sheets that were also dry erase and put them on big boards so you could be like standing and writing like big numbers and stuff. That's and awesome. he said that people liked it so much that you can get a PDF of it and then take it to Staples or wherever and get it printed out so that you can have these super big sheets at home. If that's like that's super fun. how deep you want to get in. I'm thinking like I, I, I am currently acquiring too many games to start right. custom printing full size posters for each one. But seems super cool. So he says, oh, yeah, we got the game. And then we also have some like little expansions and bonuses and a bag and whatever. And I'm like, oh, OK. And he tells me the game's $40. I'm like, great, sure. So I go up to the thing and they have red and blue bags. So I get the blue bag. Mm -hmm. And so it's the bag. They're putting little extra, the extra dice, a pin, a keychain, whatever in the bag. And then they're like, it's $100. And at that point, like it is deal momentum. And I'm like, it's day one of Gen Con. Let's live large. Right. Let's just go ahead and get it. But the uh, the financial advisor in my own head is like, it is day one of Gen Con. 
And now you've just gotten a hundred dollar game in this bag. But the bag, I really like. Okay. And I think the bag is the thing that would be super hard to get otherwise. So it says Saga on it. Oh, it looks pretty cool too. It says Flight yeah. Crew with a zipper on the front. So it's like a duffel bag. Then on the end, it has some little fake emblem they made up and a zipper yep. pocket on one end. There's a zipper pocket on the other end. One of them is actually like a bag that you could like put your shoes in and keep your shoes not getting the rest of the stuff inside your bag messy. Oh boy, that's that's excellent. It's got this big Saga logo on that side in a different shape pocket. And if that wasn't enough, it has the regular duffel strap, but then it also has a handle and book bag straps on it too. And it became like an excellent bag that I had no intention of buying. The only thing that I don't like about it is that they could have charged me a little more money and made it a little more rugged because I'd like to actually carry it more places. And I feel like the one downside is it maybe isn't like quite high quality enough to really put up to the rigor of the daily use that I'd like to use it for. That's fair. That is very. When you said a blue bag, I thought you were going to pull up like a blue plastic bag. Right. That they put these things in. Right. And this. Or one of the mini canvas bags. Like this is a. Oh, yes. Like a tote bag. Book bag, duffel bag, shoulder bag, convertible, lots of zippers. It's like a gym bag kind of size thing. But once I got it, I used it the rest of the time at Gen Con. And well, I used the rest of that day at Gen Con and was like, well, at first I was buying the game and then got talked into the bag. And at the end of the day, I felt like I bought the bag and we'll see how the game is. But I'm keeping the bag. Super cool. And I imagine if you flew and that was your carry on, there'd be questions and as far as like, oh, did you, I'm not familiar with that branch or whatever. And you're like, and all you have to say is you wouldn't even believe me if I told you, which is true <laughs> because they wouldn't. <laughs> that would be perfect because they are, I mean, I think NASA is friendly enough probably about copyright infringement as long as you're not saying anything like space doesn't exist. It is some copyright infringement style text on the back. So at a glance, you maybe wouldn't even realize it didn't say NASA. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Depending on what else you were wearing. Yeah. People would just assume you were a part of Something. the actual flight crew. Yeah. For sure. Seems good. Yeah. yeah. Um. So we don't have too many games left from day one now, do we? Velanamanamano. Velamanimano. Velanamanamano. Right. I say it different every single time. That and Fika, both from 25th Century Games. We played Fika today, and we both, it was, it's a super tiny game, little card game for two people. It's all about, like, taking a coffee break, and you have a cafe, and you're competing with the cafe across the street, and trying to get customers into your whatever. But it's very, each of the cards, it's like one through six, has its own power, and there's three suits. So there's three ones in there. They all have the same power, so on. And it's like, oh, swap the positions of these cards. Flip this card across the street. Move this over. Pick this up from your hand and put it down. So it's a lot of manipulation of these different cards to get them down in front of you and try to score the most points. And you do it three rounds. And on any given round, I think three rounds is appropriate because on any given round, the scores might be like wildly different. If you were just adding up the scores, I think it would be far less satisfying. It's really just a win-loss. And in that situation, I think that all of the scoring could have been a little more simplified. Like they could have just used smaller numbers the whole time. Right. But they go, it's usually like maybe five to eight that you're scoring. Um, and there's a mul- there's a way to have a multiplier on that. So we play that today. 
we did like it, but it was sort of like, I don't know that it's, we like it so much that we'll play it enough to really feel comfortable with the patterns of manipulation that it's asking you to do in order to really be playing it competently. And Volomino is by Bruno Cathala, who does all kinds of board games. That's kind of why I bought it, because otherwise it's just a, a little $10 card game. I was getting Fika and then just... Then you're at 25th century seeing all their other games. And uh, right. yeah, it was $10. And I thought, why not? It's animals racing on on bikes. So the art's kind of quirky and cute. And we'll see. It's supposed to be ultra simple rules for an absolutely addictive trick-taking game, which does seem up our alley. Okay. Yeah. Simple rules. Complex strategy. Seems good. And I think that's... That's... That's all of them. That's day one done. Now, there was, like I said, the one pictured, Adam's not seeing pictured, is Iki Akabono. So that means we can move on to day two. Oh, it's such a tiny little stack. Now, we did technically, this, there's five games here. We did technically mm-hmm. have eight games because at AEG Big Game Night, you play four of their games and then they give you a number of them to take with you in an AEG bag. And that's where I said, I'm just going to say these are free because one, we got double copies of them Two, We, um, we paid for a ticket to get in, but it, how do you separate the price of the ticket versus the price of each game? And then the bag itself, it's kind of unknowable. There's no itemization of what you did. Right. I'm surprised that Tiny Towns is in there because I thought you had Tiny Towns. I do not have Tiny Towns. And it's reasonable to think that I would. Mm -hmm. I've just never actually bought it. So then we had two copies of Tiny Towns leaving big game night. That's fair. Yeah. Um, The the top one I can't, is it Infiltrators? (laughs) And that is one that we kind of talked about on the list because we said that the traitor part was... It wasn't spelled the way that we expected. It was traitor as in someone who has betrayed. Right. Gotcha. Okay. It's also from a small publisher. It's a Chinese publisher. It's also another one that was probably cash only. We have played this game. We think it might be one of our new favorite games of all time. Oh. Yeah. We We really like it. Still kind of saying fitting in that space of a card game. It reminds us of the Shipwreck Arcana because there's this mm-hmm. logical kind of component to it where you have something the other person's trying to guess. But I feel like it's more exciting and more interesting and I would say ultimately easier only to make sure that you are correct in your logical assumptions than Shipwreck Arcana is. And there's a gun. Excellent. You have a deck of cards. Imagine a regular deck. Like it's not the same, but just to pretend it's the same right you uh therefore know what the suits and colors are in that deck you deal out a number of suspects face down and those are the suspects you're trying to find and the game has like all these different missions where they change it up a little bit each time you uh have the options of putting a suspect in front of you where you know the suspect and you're trying to get other people to be able to guess that suspect guess exactly what suit and number it is you can um Put other cards down next to your suspect that describe what it might be. So these are that's the logical puzzle in it, where okay. if you put it vertically, something about that card matches the hidden suspect that you have facing you. It could match the number. It could match the color. The more logical part of it, it could right. also match a factor or multiple of that number. Okay. 
they ever so helpfully list all of those numbers on every card. Good. Because we just, it doesn't, we're trying to play a game here. We don't also need a weird math test. So that's what I got to remember how many passwords for everything. I know I've lost. Exactly. It's definitely my nines. My nine multipliers are out the window. There's no way I'm remembering all those things. The better you get at infiltrators, the less likely you're going to be able to infiltrate your own accounts. Like that's what you'll have to do to get back in. So (laughs) yes, all of it's printed on there for you. You don't have to worry about that. Again, you have all these scenarios and missions. We've only done like the first one. There's a training one and the first one. So you put it vertically if it something matches. You put it horizontally if it doesn't. They give you a little card that lets you um, kind of keep track of your logic and mark things out. And when you think you have it narrowed down, and maybe you're just going to take a risk because of the other uh, parts of the mission that you're trying to uphold, or tr- there's a, the timer is the deck running out. You grab the gun off the table. The insert for the box like makes a little gun rack. And you grab the gun off the table. You you take a bullet and then you point it at the card that you want to uh, identify and then you say what it is. Now, one, that gives a little bit of like theatrics to the game, but there's also a caveat in the rules. It says no um, numbers or suits or card guesses that you make are official until you have the gun in hand and are pointing it at the intended suspect because you can, I believe you can talk among the other people as long as you're using open information. You also have a hand of cards, though, and you're trying to guess someone else. So sometimes, you know, they have like three things it could be, but two of them are in your hand. So you Mm. can and you can also some missions say that you can't as you get a little deeper. But to start, you can look through the discard pile as well. And there's a mix of face up and face down cards in that discard pile, depending on how it was discarded. So you can get some information, but not perfect information. But starting out, you can get these clues. You can then look into the discard pile. You can look at your own hand and then maybe be able to, through all of that, make a better deduction on what is actually the other suspect across the table. Oh, this seems fun. It's great. I'm going to check to see if it's on um, board game, if it's on some kind of digital platform for us to be able to play it. I'm not sure if someone's put on there or not. It is just cards, so it's possible. But yeah, that is has been super fun. For some reason, the gun didn't actually come inside the box. They gave it to a separate. I don't know what that's oh. about. And the box was sealed and there was just no gun in it. So I don't know if that was a production thing. I don't know if you're otherwise are meant to use your finger, but there's a picture of the gun on the back. So that's something to kind of be aware of if you see a copy of it. If you don't get a gun, I think it's meant to come with one. Interesting. Yeah. Very cool art style throughout as well. Nice. So we talked about tiny towns. We talked about infiltrators. What's Waffle Time like? Waffle Time was one of the games that we actually played during Big Game Night. So we played Waffle Time and Number Drop. We also played Deep Dive and Shake That City. So we were really hoping of those four games, we knew that it was very likely we would get some of them, maybe not all of them. Mm -hmm. We very luckily got the two games we had not already bought. Now, we had not played either Deep Dive or Shake That City. Shake That City had come right before Gen Con. Deep Dive hasn't arrived yet. We got to take home Number Drop and Waffle Time. So Waffle Time, I don't want to say it's what it sounds like, but in a sense, it is. You have a waffle card. There's fruit. There's whipped cream. There's syrup. And it's a... uh, they're goal cards that you're trying to meet. When you meet them, you get to put the syrup on. It it all gets you more points. That's pretty much the game. Like, there's a okay. little bit more. You What you can pick, you have to... There's a little center kind of rondelle-esque thing 
where it serves as the round counter. So, you know, when the game's over, um, there's a three by three grid of tiles there that represent the different resources you can take. And when it's your turn, you place your token next to the edge of that. And whatever you place it near is the thing you get to take. You get to take two of the things that it's near Okay. in a line. That's pretty much it. So is it going to be game of the year? No. Does it make you want waffles? Yes. If you played this at a place like that had a waffle bar, it does feel like you could play it in real life while you play it. That's the best. I don't see why we wouldn't do that the next time we hang out. Right? What's stopping us? You have to get a waffle Nothing. that has a four by four grid. We can negotiate that. Like, yeah. I, I'll we, make some phone calls to some places and be yeah. like, can you please send me a picture of your waffle styles? Can I bring my own <laughs> waffle in if I have to? Well, it may be an Amazon. This might be a home activity. I could see it being a little aggressive at an actual restaurant. Oh, it would be. No, for sure it would be. Okay. But, you know, we'll see how this goes. We have, <laughs> like, we have lots of options. I'm fine with that. Yeah, playing with an actual waffle. That, because I think the worst part of the game is that you don't get to eat the waffle you make at the end. Is it possible if you played with real, like, so you could you play with real things then and just eat the thing at the end? Yeah. Or do you have to, oh. I don't see why not. Yeah, that's what we're doing. Oh. The, uh, you might want to still keep your card as reference because it might get hard. You do put syrup on top, so it okay. could get hard to tell whether something had, had that's that's crucial for scoring. So I'm going to lose because I'm going to eat the waffle because at some point yeah. I'm going to eat it. You don't get any like, points. What did you get? I get no points. Zero points. But yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I'll be, it's the best loss I've ever had in my life. It's like, but I'm on my third <laughs> waffle. So right. Exactly. Who lost? Really? Yeah, exactly. Uh, we have one game. Oh, no, no. Falling numbers. Number falling. Number, oh, number drop. <laughs> it looks like this one's on BGA. We should give it a try. It looks okay. very uh, 90s kind of a little video game. Very Tetrisy. And I think mm -hmm. the most unfortunate thing about that is that it isn't nearly as Tetrisy as it looks. It's far more oh. just a I mean, it still is or whatever. You can't slide pieces in. They can only drop straight down. And what you're really doing is arranging numbers inside of Tetris-like shapes so that you can group them to score points. Okay. So the actual Tetris, like the classic Tetris type thing, nearly doesn't matter. You could only get two oh. points per row for that. The thing you're really trying to do is make sets or runs of numbers in no particular Tetris shape in order to score. So like if you get a cube, let's say, and you roll a one, one, three, five, okay. you probably wouldn't want to put the ones diet. You get to pick where those numbers go inside of that cube when you draw right. it on your board and you don't outline it on your board because again, what you're actually trying to do is make these sets and run. So you'd probably put the ones together. You might put the three, let's say on top of one of the ones. So it would give you the flexibility to either use the ones together if you had a new shape that had ones in it, or if you got a two, maybe you could somehow, I don't even think that would work, get the two matched up to do one, two, three, but I don't even think that works. I don't know. The cover still looks cool. I like that. I don't know what, what it's pink and Pink and teal. blue. That's, yeah, it's yeah. it's more blue in person. It probably looks teal on there. But that uh, it's a cool, it's a cool visual. I like it. I like the strategy number puzzle of it but i think that it doesn't exactly sell itself as what it is entirely and to me the cover looks a little like a 
mass video game from the 90s that's trying to be cool oh but it's actually just math and i think that honestly carries through a little more like it's actually it is actually just math right yeah call it what you want so the last game now on this list has actually inspired me uh inspired us to do something for uh next year's gen con list i know we're very far away from it yeah the game is called klondice yes and i feel like i've said before we have to be running out of dice puns card puns and i think before we ever see next year's list and we don't do it right now but on a future episode we should take bets on what's going to be like the pun of the year like which (laughs) one's going to have more card or dice maybe even just like if we think of some ahead of time like oh they haven't used this one yet and see like kind of keep in the bank to see when finally that game is made I didn't know anything about this game. This is another one where we just had like maybe 20 minutes to kill. We were walking through the hall, just seeing what we see. And sometimes it's just a guy standing next to a table with a game all set up and you can just walk right up to it and be like, what's this? What's this in front of you? Uh, And then they just on demand, they are like, this is it. And they give you a whole thing about it. So that's such a rare experience in the rest of your life that you're in a room with hundreds of board games and a person whose entire job it is to just tell you, like, just just tell you that game. And everything's right. already perfectly set up. You don't have to, like, fumble through the bits and try to figure it out. So it can be a great way to, if you like absorbing information that way, to get on, like, hands-on, in-person interaction with all these different games. And sometimes seeing it all set up in person is different than seeing it on the back of the box. And maybe even different than seeing it on a video is when you can actually see it with your own eyes interrupt to ask the questions that you want to know so right Dice, this is by mindware it was kind of with game right and it's i'd say a similar sort of game it comes with a mountain dice tower uh, that does not fit assembled in the box and it's fine except it's definitely not fine but it's fine right. it has very sparkly gold dice and if that that might be why i uh did actually let's see if i can i see that they are bit. Little they bit. are yes. Not, I don't see the sparkles as much, but I can. I imagine they are sparkles. And then you have a mine cart, and oh, that's more ASMR. There's a big mine cart where everyone is filling out the dice kind of order on the mine cart, and if you fill in the last dice on the mine cart, you get the points listed. So we're all collectively oh. adding dice, and you can roll re-roll as many times as you want, but every time you roll, if there's an open spot, you have to put at least one of your dice in there. You'll have, like, a good number of dice, but you only roll five for each one of your turns. And as you're filling them out on here, you'll slowly have less and less dice. So then there's the idea of, well, I could get all but one in this row, but then it's going to go to the next person, and they're going to very easily be able to just get one dice right and take all the points. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's the whole game. You do a few sheets of these. I think it might be better. You're supposed to do like an agreed upon number of sheets uh, in this mine cart. And they give you a stack of sheets and they're all reversed. We'll have two sides on them. I think it might be better to do it as up to a number of points because it's dice. So one person can get lucky. There's no dice mitigation in it at all. You just roll until you don't. You are getting points and they are just like look like little gold gold coin credits it would have been like not everything needs a premium version but could kickstarter make a very and i know kickstarter doesn't publish games but you understand could there be a kickstarter version of a very premium edition of klondice it already came with a pretty nice 
cardboard but glossy dice tower. It came with a nice mm -hmm. printed bag to hold all the dice. The tokens are just uh, cardboard. So could it have a nicer dice tower that was wooden and metal coins and maybe even fancier dice and maybe even more sheets and all that? Yeah, but there's also like, does there need to be a deluxification of everything? Yes. Um, and so uh, does the dice tower look like a mine shaft by chance? It does not. It looks like well. I'm going to put the lid back on because I think you'll be able to see it on the back. And the front of the box also had a shiny gold. And I'd like to say that that didn't mean anything. Right. But shiny no, gold is just, shiny. And right. so, yeah, the dice tower looks like a looks like a mountain. And I think it says like the mountain mine on the front. Oh, that's okay. At least it's on theme. Yeah. Okay. That's, yeah. That's, that's, that's Very fine. much so. The only thing that we would have liked to see on there that wasn't, we didn't see a way of keeping track. You can do as many rounds as you want. They suggest six. There's no round tracker at all. So you can kind of keep track of how many sheets you've done, but you, that's the only thing that we thought was kind of missing. That'd be nice if there was a way to mark off tick off somewhere how many rounds you are gonna do and how many you've done it does seem like gen con would be the place if they were going to do like a fancy something even if it was just extra pieces in the booth like hey yeah for x amount of dollars we do have this wooden dice tower yes we've, we've only made for this yes to see if people even care or not yes people are gonna care if they're probably gonna buy it, let's be honest so many places do that and that's where i say like Oh, I see the opportunity to deluxify this, but maybe it's important that we don't always take the opportunity to deluxify mm. everything just because we can. Like in as much as it feels nice while you're playing it, there are some sustainability concerns. It raises the price of the game. If that was just a standard game, it was more deluxe. I think Klondice was maybe $25? Actually, I can double check here. Maybe, are you proposing yeah, twenty-five? Then you have like deluxe, regular, and then maybe even like redux, like a reduced version where it's like, hey, we're going to take that dice tower completely because you can roll dice on your own, yes. but we're going to feed someone. You're going to charge the same amount yeah. of money, but we're going to get $5 <laughs> to somebody. I was complaining earlier today about, it doesn't matter what Aaron and I were talking about, but I was like, you know, all this money is going to invest in this one thing, but also people still don't like eat. Like not everyone eats. Yep. And it does when you are looking at things like board game production, not as much. We were talking about like high tech stuff. Board right. game production, not as much. But some of that high tech stuff, it's like, well, are our resources really going where they should? I think the Redux idea, it's something that you kind of see in Target stores now. There are certain games that get a Target version. I think... Mm -hmm. um, one of the, I think Raiders of the North Sea and Downforce both got, and different, completely different publishers, but they're going through Target and through Target's channel, like, we're going to make this mini of this game. And we know that people at Target aren't necessarily, they didn't used to, now maybe a little bit, coming for board games. They made a slimmed down edition that was cheaper. Oh, Came yeah, in a smaller box, good. came with not as good of components. And I think the other thing about that is... It's weird because someone who is maybe not as serious about games, on one hand, they might play them less, or they might only buy two and play those games constantly. So on right. one hand, they could actually use better components because they're going to play them more than someone who has a whole bunch of games and effectively won't play them that much. But someone who has a lot of games, I think, is more likely to invest in the deluxe components, 
even though it's not like changing the wear and tear on their game. Like they probably weren't going to play it that much anyway. So yeah, I think for that one to be 25, it does feel like something I could easily play with just about anyone. Just pull out to the table and you say, hey, here's your dice. We're trying to finish these. If you're the last one on the line, you get it. Don't try not to set people up to do that. Right. That's basically like, that's pretty much the rules. And it plays Uh in... You can decide to just play three sheets if you wanted to. So it plays in whatever time you have available. So, yeah, I I think there are lots of these opportunities like, oh, it'd be really nice if it had this and that. But maybe it's important that it doesn't. Well, and I think I don't know. I I wonder if now this is not how anything has been made so far. But like if you were into train games and there were like common components where you'd be like, oh, I can get the real nice train pieces and I can use them for all my train yeah. games would be nice. Now, we didn't. We made so many games without even considering that. So I know that's not a viable option right now. And I think maybe like metal coins is the most universal one, probably like. Yeah. And I think within a publisher, it would make a lot of sense for a publisher to be consistent like that. I would imagine it would reduce their production costs as well. If they could be making the same pieces all the time and putting them in different boxes or even having some kind of consolidated pack where you get multiple games and there's just one box of components that works for all of those games. But yeah. I, I can only imagine that it becomes a logistical issue to manage that versus you have a game that's fully self-contained and it is a unit on its own. It does feel like a bit of a game, though. So really, if they just, you know, it seems like the thing we're doing, like if someone's like, well, I'm playing this game or I'm trying to consolidate all these things Resource. and make it work. Like, so yeah. first, someone has to make the board game about how you make board games more <laughs> right. effective. And then in playing it, we'll have the answer. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> Perfect. So that's day two. So now we have the day two games. Um, we've seen I've seen the photo. I'm excited to see what day three looks like. Will it be even Ooh. less? Will it be even will it be more? Will it be close to a day one amount? You should keep stalling while I refill again my Sun King Hive Mind and my Hotbox Gen Con Cup to get ready for day three. Oh, that's that's fair. I am curious on what other merchandise. And I mean, I'm not actually asking to see a side-by-side comparison of the numbers. But like, I'm interested to see what what was the biggest player on the other side that's not games. Uh, I think if for actual merchandise, we did not buy much else, but we did get, Aaron's been losing weight. He There was a shirt that he liked last year from this vendor, and it's a Princess Bride design. And he bought the same shirt again in a new smaller size. Oh, what a win. Yeah. What a win. Yeah. That's awesome. It was pretty yeah. good. Uh, but we did notice, we I bought it and wasn't thinking anything of it. And then we were looking at I'm like, this isn't the same color, is it? Like the original shirt was on a different color. It's a green shirt. Different mm. color green, different color printing. And I think we both like the newer shirt. And then like 20 minutes later, we're walking through Gen Con and we see someone in the original shirt. And we're both like, yeah, we knew it yep, looked different. Yeah. So yeah, not only being able to get it again, but then seeing someone else in the original shirt like, Bet they bought that last year. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. It's uh, running out of stalling because I feel like it's going to be soon. So oh, I don't yeah. want to go into like a... Ah, okay, so a, a little bit more. Not much more. Oh, We've and got you know two, what? Four, six, seven. Oh. There's one thing missing from it, which I'm going to show you here. And I know that Aaron already talked to you about fiction. Oh, he did talk about this. That yes. was from Board Game Tables. That one was... Uh, we got that one as a gift, like someone gifted it to us. We've already played it. It's it's like Wordle, 
except if Wordle was lying to you when it told you whether you got it right or not. And and Wordle is one of your Fun friends level. who's playing the library, and it's one that we talked about uh, briefly oh, yeah. on our game <laughs> list. librarians. Yeah. So yeah, that one, Ruel Gaviola gave us that game, and I had it like in my hand coming in one night trying to get things together. So it was just in a random place in the house. And I, I found it earlier today, like, oh, got to put this on the right stack for the right day. Nice. So immediately what leaps out to me is probably Sky Team, just visually on here. It's right oh. in the center of the stack, but it's, oh, there's a plane and yeah. then like the sky, maybe horizon on there. Uh, big, bold, white lettering on that uh, really takes command over the list. The front does not disappoint. No. You see uh, a couple of what I would guess are pilots yeah. on there. Pilot and co-pilot. Planes, sky view. Very nice. It's a two-player co-op. It says immersive and high drama on the front. And I think we haven't really gotten into the deep immersion and high drama. We're still in the early stages of it. We played it once in the hot games room before we were actually able to buy a copy. We said before we had a friend that tried to get one for us, couldn't. They had a set number every morning. I heard a incorrect rumor that it was going to be like 30 a day. And I was like, well, I might not get it if there's only 30 copies a day. One of the other things about trying to get copies... They will release games very often. They'll release a certain amount of games every day, which kind of gives different people the opportunity to get it. Not everyone has a four-day badge. Not everyone can come on Thursday. So if everything sells out on Thursday, it also, like, it doesn't necessarily matter to them. If it's selling that well, it'll probably sell out on the subsequent days anyways. But also, the exhibitors get to come in first. They get to come in an hour early. Of course, they have to set up their booths. But they also maybe shop the other booths and they also maybe could kind of get in line faster than anyone who's outside the hall when it mm. opens at 10. So uh, I heard a rumor that there were going to be very few copies of this when I actually got there, at least by Saturday. Who knows? I also heard about actually a group of companies share a warehouse in a different state and they were selling out a game so quick they paid a driver to load a box truck with games and drive it overnight up to Indy so that they could sell more games at Gen Con. And I think I oh, usually awesome. hear a story kind of like that every year where something's selling out and they're like, well, how can we get more of them here before Sunday so that we right. can go ahead and capitalize on this? And I'm sure there's the more you can combo with other publishers or maybe the amount you can bring factors a lot into whether that being profitable or not to pay someone, an individual to kind of ship it for you. In any case... We got into line on uh, Saturday morning, kind of just waited out with the crowd. We didn't get there super early, so we weren't like in the very front. And we were able to enter in the door closest to where the booth was, walk directly to it. Definitely not run, maybe maybe a speedy walk kind of jog type thing. And mm -hmm. we got in line right around 30. And when we got to the front, they said they had 200 copies. So we could have been even more casual, but... The line forms quickly for right. something that is in demand. So I was going to give it a try. Um, it, it didn't end up being too hard to get. And it's supposed to be out in, uh, it should be out in October anyway. So it's like, mm. you don't have to wait very long. There is a probably unofficial tabletop simulator workshop file for this one. So if you have tabletop oh. simulator, you can probably give that a look. Adam, I believe that we will, who knows, maybe even today. We have mm -hmm. really liked this game. And that's saying a lot for Infiltrators and this one, that they're both coming in really high. Infiltrators is two to five, I think. This, though, is two players only. There's lots of different modules in Sky Team where, 
as you keep playing it, you can add new elements to make it harder. But the basic premise is that you have a pilot and a co-pilot. You each have four mm. dice. You have this shared dual layer board and you are trying to execute all the functions that need to happen as you land a plane. And you're doing that not simultaneously. You are taking turns, but you only have so much time because the plane's descending. You need to make the plane go slower. You need to make the plane level out. You're trying to get the landing gear out. You're trying to apply the brakes. You're clearing the other planes out of the way for your approach, making sure, you know, you're clear to land. And if you are coming in too fast, you crash the plane. If you um, are too tilted, you'll crash the plane. If you can't get all of your landing gear out. So you're trying to just execute all of these functions. And in the kind of supplemental book, they describe additional cities that you can fly into. And as far as we can tell, we're not pilots. That is accurate to what it's like flying into those cities. So one of the ones we did today, you have to be turning on your approach and then level out to actually land because you have to fly around a mountain at that airport in order to mm. land. So things wow, like okay. that, that feel very thematic, you can increase the difficulty. And one of the things I like about that is if you never want to increase the difficulty, you don't have to. So you get a game that can hit a lot of different kinds of players. And even, well, when I play it with this friend, we always just do the easy one and we have a great time and we're way more thematic with it. And when I play it with this friend, we always do the super hard mode. We're not thematic at all. It's totally like just deep thinking about how can we perfectly execute this. Mm -hmm. Okay. That makes sense. That's nice to have that option. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Well, good. And then under that... um Beer and bread. I'm excited to hear about this. We haven't played that one yet. We had talked about it. It's been around mm. for a while. It's another two-player only game. That and uh, Coffee Traders were probably the next highest, mm, close to the next highest single publisher thing that we got. Because Coffee Traders is a big Euro game. We've seen it for over $100 many times. And we just couldn't, we just, we were just like, no, we're going to pick a different game. We're just not going to invest in that. And it was $80 this year at Gen Con for Coffee Traders. And we're like, it's the year. And we were already there buying beer and bread. That's a two-player game that I believe was released last year. I think we mm -hmm. got it like $20, $25, something like that. It's still in shrink. We haven't tried it yet, but I've heard good things about it. It'll be very hard for it to meet the games that we've played already. I think Sky Team and oh. Infiltrators as two-player games, even if we compare it directly to Sky Team as another two-player only game, it's got a pretty high bar to clear. And I think that's what's what we like about continuing to discover games. People will ask me, like, what's your favorite game? And I started saying, I haven't found it yet. Like, I have all these games, Ooh. but I haven't found it yet. And it is when you get closer, I think not only could your favorite game change over time, but the way that new things show up and iterate on things you like, I, I'm getting like this year, I see some contenders for things that maybe I will end up answering are my favorite game. Not that I'll be true oh, forever. Nice. I think it can even still, you might play a newer game and play it and play it and play it. It might give you an, a new appreciation for an older game that when you go back to it, you kind of discover something new about it and that becomes your favorite game. But yeah, I feel like I'm still in an investigative phase, which is why I like being able to see brand new things. And even like Luna Capital and Beer and Bread, they aren't brand new. They've been around for a while. You come back to Gen Con, it's not only the thing that's not quite out yet, it's also some deals on stuff that right. have been out. And for whatever reason, they published too many, something changed, whatever, that you can also get some deals on good games. Nice. 
Now, Beacon Patrol is a new game, correct? That is a new one. That's one to four players from Pandasaurus, and it's just like tiling. It has a very distinctive art style, and you just, I think you're just tiling. I think you may even be cooperative. So just real oh. chill kind of game. Yeah, feeling feeling good about that. I think it'll be a much lighter sort of dwarf romantic. Like that's another tile laying. Mm. We did get to play. Uh, we'll talk more about the stuff we played either in a special game of the month that we call game of the con episode or just at some point. I'm sure we'll talk a little more about dwarf romantic in our regular uh, game of the month review. But that one does get a li- not super thinky. I think this one will be even lighter than that. Nice. And then above that is the game. Is that like the card game, the game? This is the game quick and easy. So yeah, it is the card game, the game. So the title is the game quick and easy. You uh, have maybe four, maybe five colors of cards, five different suits, if you will. And they go, they have numbers one to 10. You have two piles on the table. One of them needs to go from 10 to one, generally speaking. Uh And the other one needs to go from one to 10, generally speaking. And I say generally speaking, because if you play down a card of a given color, let's say red, you can break that rule of what needs to come next. So if you're playing on the 10 down to one pile and you play a red two, well, then you would only have one number left before you wouldn't be able to play any numbers. But you can play a red nine on top of the red two and sort of reset the pile back up higher Mm. and then play cards down again. And the same is true on the other pile ascending. So it's a cooperative game. You only have two cards in your hand, which is part of what adds more tension as well. You don't have a lot to pick from. There's only two piles. You have two cards. You have to go in order. So Mm -hmm. you don't get to skip someone if they don't have any cards. If they can't play a card valid, you lose. So part of the quick and easy is like, yeah, you might just lose real quick and easy. Interesting. So, cause I'm familiar with the game where it does that with, I believe one to a hundred mm. and four piles. Okay. Um, and then this would be a faster and simpler version. Okay. Or as they would call it quick and easy. Yeah. I've never played the game. So I actually didn't know what was meant to make it quick or easy. I've played, I have the app, the game. And oh, I will okay. regularly, it's one of my like bedtime ones yeah. because it's kind of soothing because you're either putting numbers up or down like it's not right so complex it's counting sheep it's basically good. yeah and then on that one you can yeah I'm, i don't need to explain that game that's the game we're talking about that's a different game so but yeah this sounds uh interesting you should give the other one a shot and see if you like it playing it this way now i think this is fine and it is a quick and easy game i think it works well if you just have like a, a random group of people and you want to play something and you don't want to get overcommitted. you're waiting for a meal what have you right. it's not for me the things that i like to do in that setting are usually like dice game like some little dice roller or something like that so mm-hmm. i thought it was fine i think aaron liked it more than i did and then one of our friends at the convention messaged us and said because we had played someone had a copy of this game the game quick and easy that we had played earlier and they messaged us and said hey it's only three dollars in the miniature market booth or something like that and it was like all right sure yeah so i was like not even the guacamole extra you know cost for something not these days not with this inflation absolutely not so yeah it's far less than the appetizer you're waiting on yeah yeah for sure so also uh, pretty cool even though that's a Panasaurus games, we got Beacon Patrol actually at the Panasaurus booth, but the uh, the game we got at Miniature Market along with Faye and Airship City. 
Airship City, I didn't realize till I got home, is a three to four player game. I don't buy a lot of those. So I'm not thrilled mm. about that. But I think it and Faye had to be $10 each, if that. Nice. Very cheap games. There were some really cheap things at Miniature Market, as well as some very regular price things. They had a sheet that I did not enjoy reading at all because it was just like a long spreadsheet, double-sided, two of them, of the games that were spread across the booth. So you'd have to see the game, and then you'd have to go over to the sheet and check it for reference about what the price was, both regular Mm -hmm. and their like con sale if there was one. Um, Right. So Airship City just looked, it looked fine. I don't even have anything more to say about that. Faye, I think, was a Spiel des Jahres nominee, and it used to have a different name, so it's like a retheming of a different game that was a nominee. And for me, for how cheap it was, that was good enough. I don't know. It was a little surprising for it to be so cheap if at one point it was considered decent by the group of people that often identify decent games. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. no more information about that one. We'll we'll see what happens there. And then on top of the game, is that sort of a birthday card? Or what is that uh, paper on top of? So there's two special little uh, papers. And this is very common buying things at Gen Con. There's some kind of promo or card or something that gets thrown in. Not with everything, but with a lot of stuff. So there's the Beacon Patrol. There's Discovery Tiles. That game has like land and water on these tiles. So mm-hmm. you're putting that together and making land and water. In the regular game, if you were to create an area that was completely surrounded by land or completely surrounded by water, you would not be able to fill it. And I think that just affects scoring, what have you, at the end. Mm. The discovery tiles give you a fully land and a fully water tile that then lets you fill that hole that you might have made. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So it's it's a mini, just two tiles. That's it. Like expansion um kind of add on to the beacon patrol game and then the other one which i need to put into the sky team box is another airport for sky team it's the guardia a cold front has the eastern seaboard and it's icy grip because yeah you can have a frozen runway in the game and that changes like the options you have for how you need to land the plane and it says there's even more new destinations and scenarios and they give you a qr code i haven't looked into that yet they give you oh, just fun. another runway to land in oh that's pretty cool yeah I like that nice. was, those promo things they had a lot of a lot of fun even though it's just usually like a sticker or a little piece of cardboard but yeah right there was uh for builders high there was a set of cards that they also threw in i have no idea like and i don't know for sure but it didn't feel as though the team that was there like spoke english but not so fluent that they were attempting to carry on conversations so they gave me these things and i don't they're rule sheets and then like a stack of cards that's like as thick as the box itself yeah so i'm not sure what sure what that's about and then for just in speaking of extras and bonuses for mission control oh one of them fell i got a keychain the bag of course which we already talked at length about some dice some like custom dice nice a rocket operations flight manual <laughs> yes awesome which very i cool. don't know all that's in there but it kind of it has some thickness to that one and then a ethernaut resupply pack with 36 freeze-dried sub-quantum objectives the art and theming throughout all the mission control stuff is 
I know there's no reason for me to say suspiciously good. There's no why would I be suspicious? But it's like it's so it's so consistent and well done. I think yeah. it throws shade onto other things that you've seen where it's like, well, why can't you be more like mission control? Right. Look how nice yeah. these things are. Yeah. But that's that kind of that mix up. I haven't opened the box itself to see, like I saw kind of the components in person, but again, they had these super huge printed sheets instead of the regular stuff out of the box that I could really, I wasn't paying attention to see what was there. So it'll be interesting right. to actually, a lot of these games, open them up, see what the, what it's actually, what am I actually getting? Not every game did I see the full game set up. Like Ex Libris, I didn't actually see the full game set up. I just knew that Ex Libris has been out of print for a while. I was very yep. excited about the expansion. And then when I, I picked up the box, I'm like, I know this is thinner than my Ex Libris box. Like right. I do a lot of inventory control and management for our board game collection, which is getting to be a more serious title every time I go to Gen Con and don't get rid of enough games beforehand. So right. yeah, I was well aware like, oh, you put it in a thinner box. So I think you know, sometimes you're probably like not creeping out the guy at the at the booth, but you're like, I'm sure they get a lot of people where it's like, whoa, you're real into this. Okay, well, I heard the art's different. So right. yeah. otherwise you seem, it doesn't seem like I could, it seems like I could tell you anything and you're just going to hand me money for this game. So right. we Which may as well just true, speed that up. Oh, yeah. right. super true, super true. So yeah, and they do have, sometimes it's their employees, sometimes it's volunteers working the booth. So like experience booth to booth as how the game is getting pitched and what their kind of aims are in that interaction. The mission control guy, he seemed like shaking. And I think that's just, you know, you're talking to people. Sometimes people are shaky talking to people, but he was doing a great job. And sometimes you have people that are super casual and they seem like very confident and calm and they're not doing a good job at all. So now the mission control guy was also wearing the saga uniform was, correct yes i feel like that that's probably a somatic pressure of like well i am wearing i have to represent this well i literally <laughs> am wearing a fake astronaut suit yeah. was that was there one for sale was that one of the things you could have bought was a uh, saga suit now i didn't ask but oh. he i now i i don't think he was the only person in one mm. which is like okay i think you can get a fake spacesuit pretty cheap oh sure and then they had a big patch that was their logo. So right. maybe I could just be casually working in a spacesuit too. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Right. Maybe that's, you know, maybe that's next week. Maybe that's how I come back. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so we got three or four days done. Now we are could be coming up on the fourth and final day. Now I'm going to take some predictions on this one. I can see a little bit of the box from the previous photo, Ooh. Uh, but, but I think that I, I can only see two of them. Oh, you I sure can. More than two of them. I bet on top of that second one are going to be a bunch of small games. I think the last day is going to be two big base games and then like a very rapid Eiffel Tower height. I bet it's going to be tall. I bet it's going to be as tall as the other ones, but with a bunch of little ones. I'm sending you the photo now. And uh, sorry, no. Nope, couldn't be more wrong. No, but you know, you and gotta I, guess things. I so. think you would like the, I first took all, I separated them all, took four photos and then, you know, technology it can be hard so i've sent you a slightly different photo you'll notice it's at a different angle in a different place I sure but did. yeah <laughs> those are in fact the games so you could see princes of florence mm -hmm. at the bottom which we talked about before had the game before this is a new more colorful edition from whiz kids don't know much more about it there were more than one thing that i bought that was kind of actually the same way updating replacing collection kind of items that was the same for princes of florence the next one up, I don't think you could tell in the first picture, but you can tell now 
that it's Garden Nation. Mm-hmm. It was that and Coatl. I hope I'm saying mm-hmm. that right. And Dive were all at the same booth. They're by different publishers, but I think it was Flat River Group. Maybe um, must be a distributor of games because they had many different things from many different publishers, and some of them very much on sale. And that was the case for Garden Nation, Coatl, and Dive. I was only buying things from that booth that were on a Sunday Sunday Gen Con special. I was cross-referencing them online to see like how special are these prices versus what I might be able to find any random day. And for these three, I think all three of those were 70, maybe. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if there was tax or not, 70, 75. Um, so all pretty solid deals. And that was really what drove me to try those. Because I feel like if I don't end up liking them, that's fine. Didn't pay a lot for them, can recoup most of that money back uh, when I sell them. So yeah, Garden Nation and then Coatl is kind of like, how would I say that? I think that's like the traditional name maybe for the thing that is in it, which is like a snake kind of thing. It's a puzzle game. Okay. And Dive, you have all these transparent sheets that I think have things on them or even things sandwiched in between them. And you're trying to accurately guess the depth within all these transparent sheets of where something is. So Aaron right. was interested in that. And the Coatl I'd seen before, there's a game night for that one. Um, so I was like, oh, I'm kind of familiar with that. I'll go for it. And then Garden Nation was another one kind of familiar with, but hadn't actually played. I think Garden Nation might be on Board Game Arena. I feel like I've seen it somewhere else a couple times that made me. I think we've played it on Board Game Arena. Ooh, we've even played it. Good for us. I think so. Yeah. Good for I us. I don't remember anything more than I think we've played it. Not at all. Now, Penny Black, was that was the, uh, the stamp one. That is the stamp one. And when yeah. we looked at it online, it was like, meh stamps i don't know i don't know anything about stamps that one was one that i saw in person it was 30 dollars, and i uh i don't know why suspicious keeps coming up i maybe that's how i'm trying to be discerning about my board game purchases but i was like how did they make a game this nice like the component quality this nice for only 30 dollars wow all of these stamps in it because i was just assuming they were going to be cardboard tiles all of the yeah. stamps in it are acrylic tiles, oh. like plastic, make a lovely clinky sound. It reminds you more of the production quality of like Azul, which was also not a super expensive game and had really right. nice components. But there's just a little more in this than even came in Azul. So those are the stamp pieces. They're all these nice tiles. I love the art on it. One of the artists that contributed was Quan Chai Moria. And it's like, of course, I basically just find his art and buy it in game form. So that checks out. You have stamp books. They are dual layered and that's whatever. They also are actual little books. Like they actually open up and close. And on the outside cover of these books, which you never see while playing the game, it's gold foil. Why? Why even, why be that nice? I don't know. There is a round counter that like, there's a one to 10 like strip. It's just cardboard strip. Uh, very cute and colorfully uh, graphically designed. But this, the marker that you move down the rounds is an actual stamp. Like it's a wooden, you could oh. actually use it as a real stamp. Now they didn't put a stamp pad in there. So that's the one thing they didn't do. But I think they don't right. actually, there's no reason for you to actually stamp. So if anything, it would have caused confusion and ruined your game. Because you'd be like, what am right. I supposed to stamp? <laughs> so yeah, and there's a cloth bag to draw the tiles out of. It was all just so nicely done. That is what pushed me over the edge. Aaron and I have played that one. 
we uh, had that and Klondice and Infiltrators. I think that was Sunday. We were just kind of, it was after the hall had closed. We were just kind of hanging around. We were going to go get dinner, but not quite yet. And so we were playing through a few of the games and it was just a nice pace. I kind of got the scoring. Um, you have four scoring criteria, two for each side of your stamp book. And I mm -hmm. just sort of misread mine. There is a scoring card that matched what I thought I was doing. And it wasn't right. actually what I had yeah. next to me. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's not anyone's fault. If anything, that's day four of Gen Con's fault. Uh, but it's just, it's pleasant to play because the components are nice. It's nothing like you can't, uh, it's multiplayer solitaire in the sense that you can't take anything for anyone else. It reminds me a lot of Shelfie Stacker, which I don't know if you've played, but it's the same no. thing where you put tiles in the middle, you draft a group of tiles, you deal with those tiles on your own board, then you score it at the end. Like, oh, nice. Okay. It's very, in that like very basic description way, it's highly similar to Shelfie Stacker. And I think things like that, when I start to identify things like that, in my head, like groups together a game day, where even more so if you're playing with people who don't play a lot of games, putting together similar, if you like those uh, a type of game, putting together similar games like that can make that rules overhead not so tall because they'll kind of see, oh, well, this is almost the same game we were just playing. And it's like, yes, not all these games are different. Like right. they're all right. different, they're all different or whatever. But right. why, what makes it very possible to just kind of continue discovering all these games for them to keep being made is that, they are usually variations on something, something that's kind of familiar to you with something that's new. And that can become very satisfying as you learn more and more games to make these kind of discoveries. And at Gen Con, to be steeped in people and publishers and an industry and like just that whole environment of that discovery and still searching for something new. I think there's there's advantages and disadvantages to like cult of the new, always looking for the next thing. But that excitement right. about discovery, looking for those things that delight you, looking for, like I said, the artists that you already like creating new art for a game. It's an exciting feeling and it's exciting to be around so many people who appreciate that as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, there are two games on top that I can't read. I'm going to try to read one purplish one. Does that say Briars Distillers? No, it says Bonanza Dahlias. That is the same bean game, the okay. same classic yeah. bean game. But now, instead of those cartoon beans, and you should ask the internet about it if you haven't seen them, and you'll see them, and that's exactly how you'll want to describe them going forward. They're very distinctive. They're not, either they're endearing to you, or they definitely aren't. I'm in the not camp. They feel very outdated to me. And with this edition, Beth Sobel, doing what she yep. does, she drew pretty flowers. Yep. And who doesn't want to be a part of her drawing pretty flowers? Now, I don't love the overall graphic design i would say the card layout how they look as much as i like the flowers on the front it's going to be pretty hard for adam to see but oh soon enough we'll just be playing the games together anyway right um right. but yeah it's there's no difference in it my understanding than the fact that they themed it in nice flowers so now something that like it, it kind of shows how theme matters and how much theme maybe plays a part in a game where really the theme doesn't matter. They could put this game on white cards. It it wouldn't matter to your gameplay, but you set this out on the table and the other game, people are naturally going to gravitate towards one and maybe even hate the other one. 
Right. Even though they're the same game. Oh, right. I'm I'm pro the new theming of the flowers. I think it'll be a little more enjoyable to play. I don't even think that sometimes when you get a retheme like this, they'll change the player count at a new variant. This is still three to five players. So something that's not going to get played quite as often as the rest of our collection. But yeah, I had Bonanza for a while, wanted to keep it, kind of struggled with whether or not I should, got rid of it. And now I'm like, you know, at least this one will be nice, pretty pictures of flowers that if it's on my game shelf. Right. And that should age wonderfully. Yeah. And the last one, I got Princess of Florence and this was on the last day. And I think when you there is a distinct difference the first day of Gen Con from the last day, the first day, almost every publisher, it feels like, has their own those cloth shopping bags with their logo printed on it. You're just getting that with every purchase. You don't have to also, sometimes they'll have a minimum purchase to get those kind of things, but mostly they're just giving them away with every purchase. Everything's very fresh. The booths are fresh. Everything's nicely arranged. There are these piles of artfully displayed uh, game boxes that are like as tall as you, like made in a big cone or something like that. That's day one. The last day, it's just like, uh, it feels more like when you go to buy something around Christmas and it's like Christmas Eve and the yeah. whole feeling of the retail is like, listen, it's just, we have, it's <laughs> like, like two hours. We just have right. to make it two hours. So everything's more worn down. The, you know, signs have bent corners. There's just like, it does not have that same fresh vibe. And for the Prince of Florence, like the bag they were then giving was just a regular plastic shopping bag that in no way was as big big enough to hold the princess of florence not really not where you don't just think it's going to split and then there was just some stuff thrown down in the bottom of the bag as well and he's and so he gives me the bag and i'm like i barely even want this bag and he's like there's some other stuff down there too and it's like okay well the other stuff down there was a i think it's just a regular copy of fantasy realms in a smaller box and then the score pad for it so it's like it's okay so these guys are just giving that away now but they have a nicer premium edition of it they also have a Star Trek and a Marvel edition of it. So I think they're just like, we've moved on from basic fantasy realms. We're just tossing right. these in anywhere. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense then. That's uh, well, that's fun. That's a nice bonus because we kind of like playing that game. Yeah, it's it's all right. I only don't like scoring. So the score pad is like, if I'm playing it at all, I'm going to use the app to score it and not the score pad. Aaron likes it right. and he has even traveled with it before. So... I think we still have a regular size copy of Fantasy Realms, and I would get rid of it in favor of this. Yeah. So absolutely. That's something well, nice. So that's that's all the games. That's all the games. We finally got through them. Yeah. It is, it's it's good. I like to unbox them kind of quick because if you are missing components or anything like that, it can be good mm. to you can reach out to the publisher, you open it, something's not there. You can reach out to the publisher. They will usually arrange some way to ship it to you. So I do like to kind of punch everything only once have I opened a new game and I had like two of the same punch board and then was missing a different one. And the publisher Mm. sent me the correct punch board for it. That's nice. Yeah, I do kind of want to process through them. I think there's definitely ones, some we've already opened up and played, some that I'm more excited than others to get into. I want to see about Good Omens, want to see what's inside Junk Orbit, what's going on there, actually get Mission Control opened, see how the things in the box match all the extra goodies they gave me outside the box, and then ones like Princess of Florence to see what this new edition is like, 
Fear and Bread have been talking about that for a while, hearing about it and just never actually getting it. But there's also ones where I feel like when I see everything collectively together, it's like that one might be closer to the back of the list. Some of those are ones I got yeah. as deals. Even if you're equally hyped for all games, there's always going to be a last game that you play. Has to be. Yeah. There has to be. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for listening to episode 118. Be sure to subscribe to know when new episodes drop. You can follow us on Instagram, X, and Twitch at Varying Hex. Is it really X? Do we know that? We have not logged in. We have a website and a blog at VariantHex.com, and you can email us at podcast at VariantHex.com. Now that we are post-Gen Con, I have quite a bit of work to do to make that last statement factual. Logging into those accounts, getting our blog back up, getting our website and domain fixed. Don't worry, I'm on it but be sure to check out the episode description for some helpful links and info related to our conversation in this episode. The next episode will be a more general discussion as Aaron and I reflect on Gen Con with Adam, unless you're listening to these in reverse, in which case you have 117 more episodes headed your way. The next one being about Gen Con, and you're just entering a forest of Gen Con content, which won't help you prepare for Gen Con 2023. It's already happened but it should help you prepare for future cons as well as learn more info about the games that are coming out this year. And that's all for now. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today. Mm-hmm.